already now, and so each reader is going to stand up where they are, and they're going to read, and we're going to start with Rowan. So starting at the start of chapter 3 in Acts, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as John did. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses, witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and now was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he has foretold through all the prophets saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among your people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophet and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, 
Through your offsprings, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if... If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness showed to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, 
Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Give you thanks for your word, for your precious word, which continues to speak freshly into our lives day by day. And we pray that as we gather together as your people, that your spirit who inspired your word and who lives among your people would speak afresh into our hearts, that we may respond in obedience to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for those uh, readings, friends. Appreciate that. Um, What stood out for you? Words, phrases, concepts, I like the first bit, how that guy beautiful was um, a beggar and how he wanted silver, but he got something more life-changing. He got um, his legs back and his life back and he got to know Jesus. Okay, so he got more than... He bargained for. More than expected. Yeah. All right. Uh, Healing was your call here. Just wait for a microphone. I think there's a couple coming around. Okay. Just in a word, let's not have a sermon from each person. (laughs) Healing and redemption. Healing and redemption. Okay. Um, Peter and John uh, were aware that they didn't have the silver and gold, but they appeared to have an incredible uh, self-awareness of what they had been given uh, by, by Jesus. Um, the, uh, the, the question is, uh, was that a unique confidence for them uh, because they'd walked with Jesus or is that something that ought to exist in the church today? Okay. Today, there's a question. Good. Okay. Sorry, there's a microphone coming. Yeah. Um, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they were astonished. Yes. That stood out for me, the okay. courage. Okay. It's not just that. Uh, they saw that they were ordinary and uneducated men, and they recognized them as having been with Jesus. I love that bit. Okay? So you can write that up however you like. <laughs> that was exactly what I was going to say. So, yeah, that's what stood out to me, that they were just ordinary uh, people and God used them. Who had been with Jesus. Okay. Good. Um, they were filled with the Holy Spirit yes. and prayer is the other one that stood up to me as well okay so, so prayer and the Holy Spirit Rowan God can and will use anyone for his purpose okay Hands going up all over. This is wonderful. This is good. A building of faith. Faith was built up when the guy was healed. He had okay. faith in Jesus. Okay. 
So faith, let's, let's just park that word and we'll come back to it across there. Uh, cornerstone, Jesus, you know, the foundation of everything that happened in that, in yes. that passage. Okay, no other name. Again and again, no other name. Let's pop that up. That power beyond their own strength. Yes, power beyond. Sanjeev? Um, the association is, um, and his name by faith in his name, uh, has made this man strong. Um, and in association with that, the call for repentance. Yes. Okay. Good. Okay. No other name. Faith in his name. Power. Repentance is the new word. We'll take a couple more, and unless you're desperate, we'll move on. It repeated a few times just simply having faith in Jesus. And that was in accordance with the prophetic word. They mentioned about the things that happened in the Old Testament foretelling yes. the coming of Jesus. Okay, yep. Down the back. The people were encouraged to speak the word with boldness. They spoke the word with boldness. All right, one or two more or are we done? Right, down the back, down here. Okay, there's a few more. I'm glad you are. Just thinking about the passage. Peter brings um, the focus back to Jesus all the time. Yes, it's all about Jesus. Okay. And they end in here. Yeah, one here and one here. Yeah, and uh, three, three more. Just, just kindness stood out to me. Kindness. Okay. Good. Yeah, nothing was done except through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, so we've got that. It's all about the, the Holy Spirit. And the last one here, and we're just about out of space on the board anyway. So just, uh, just through there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's a passage there that said you killed the author of life. Yeah. I guess the question is why would you want to annihilate life and that which is life-giving? Yes, okay, the author of life. Okay, Done. Allow me to add one more. Oh, we've got to go on the other side. And that's the word dam, spelled D-A-M. It occurred earlier when uh, Luke was talking about giving and being a dam. So if you could just type up dam and slash billabong, because in my head it's more of a billabong than a dam, and I want to kind of come back, come back to that. Okay. Ah, well, Lord, here we are. Thank you for... Your word that we've heard, thank you for the way in which your people have heard different things from it. And um, as we listen to what it is that you're saying to us today, I pray again that your spirit may speak into our hearts and into our lives for the glory of your name. Amen. He got more than he expected, healing and redemption. It's a fascinating story, you know, because uh, here is a man who has been lame from birth and he's over 40 years old. And this was the place where he was regularly put down day after day as he sat and begged by the temple gate called 
beautiful. He certainly got more than he expected. After years of sitting there day by day, holding out his hand or his cup, expecting a coin or two within it, his expectations would not have been terribly great. He would have had throngs of people go past him. The gate, beautiful, was most likely the gate which was between the... The temple had many different precincts. And it was most likely the gate which was between the court of Gentiles and the court of women. These were the most public places. These were the places that were most accessible. Gentiles, you didn't have to be a Jew to go into that court. Uh, Women, only women could go up to this point. You could not go further. So this was the most public place. And it seems as if he had chosen this most public place on which to be placed where the most number of people would come past him. And here he was day after day. He was more than 40 years old. You know, it's quite possible that when Jesus went to the temple on many occasions, that Jesus walked past this man, this cripple who was begging at the gate, beautiful. It's quite possible that Peter and John and the other disciples, when they'd been going to the temple, as was their practice, and certainly after the day of Pentecost, they were there regularly. They gathered together in Solomon's portico. It's quite often likely that they went past this man day after day. So when Peter and John come by, he probably was not expecting anything more than he had received in the past. And he got more than he expected. I wonder what that says about us and about the way in which we go through life. About our expectations of how God may meet us in new ways and in fresh ways. Or whether we park by our experiences of the past and we become stuck within those places. And we have no more expectation other than what we have known about God. And sometimes God steps in and he does fresh things. And it's not always about you and your expectations. It's about God. It's about his sovereignty. It's about his timing. It's about the fact that suddenly he wants to do something fresh. He got more than he expected. Peter and John say, I don't have silver or gold But this is what I do have in the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk. And picking him up, you can imagine a man who's been lame from birth, uh, uh, no muscle tone, don't know what his tendons were like, says his ankles were strengthened, he stands up. God does something very special. There is healing. And there is also redemption. Because he comes into this experience of Jesus which transforms beyond what's happened into his feet and takes over his life. I don't have silver and gold, but this is what I do have. In the name of Jesus, turn back to it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. It's fascinating that there is something about this name which comes in again and again and again. And as we type up there, there is no other name 
One of the things they said is there is no other name under heaven by which we may be saved. It's a challenging word. Challenging word in our culture and in our context. Challenging word when we have people of various faiths and of no faith. Challenging word when we live in this culture of pluralism, of acceptance, of inclusion. To say, what does it mean to say that there is something unique about the name of Jesus? That it is in his name only that there is healing. That there is, it is in his name only that there is redemption. That it is in his name only that there is salvation. And yet again and again, this is the message which is proclaimed through these verses. I love the fact, Luke, that you're going right through a book. You know, I, uh, for me as a, as a pastor, that was my favorite way of going through the scriptures because I thought, you don't get stuck on hobby horses. You don't get stuck on particular doctrines. You just got to deal with the text as it is. And that's what we're doing today. We're dealing with the text as it is. And the text tells us again and again that there is something about the name of Jesus which is unique and special. Nine times in chapters 3 and 4 it talks about the name. Let me, let me remind you of those places. So the first one. What I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk. Verse 15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given him this complete healing in him as you can see. The authorities ask, by what power Or by what name did you do this? And the response, know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Verse 12 of 4. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. Verse 17, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these people to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. And finally, stretch out your hand is their prayer to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What is it about this name? We all have names. Uh, We all call things by name. Within the setting, the name communicates something of the authority and ownership. Authority and ownership. It's not just the name, Jesus, but what stands behind the meaning of that. And it is in the name of Jesus that we have the authority to speak of salvation and to speak of healing. There is no other name. The question was asked, what about today? Um, you know, does that, does that continue for today? Uh, why t- can we expect to see healing like that today? Is there still power in the name of Jesus for healing and not just for 
salvation? It's a natural question to arise from the text, and it was well articulated by a couple of people. There's a lot that can be said, but I want to uh, talk to you very briefly on the two headings, uh, theology and experience. Theology or doctrine. You know, heresy comes in a whole variety, whole number of forms, and some of them are so out there that it's easily understood as heresy. Others are more subtle. For example, if I were to say to you, uh, when Jesus comes again, he's going to come to Christmas Island. So all of us need to go to Christmas Island. Because remember, Jesus came the first time at Christmas. Second time he's coming again Christmas. This time Christmas Island. Come with me to Christmas Island. Oh, you're, you're laughing at me, and so you should. Few people might get taken in, and they might come with me to Christmas Island. But the majority of people would say, heresy. Sometimes it's a little bit more subtle than that. And, you know, one of the things that happened through the late 19th century is that people began to structure doctrines around not just when Jesus would come again, but about how Jesus operates now and how the Holy Spirit is present now. And actually began among a very fundamentalist group of Bible-believing people, people like Darby and Schofield, he even had a Bible written after him, and a move from that kind of fundamentalism over into evangelicalism. <clears throat> and in that subtle heresy that God doesn't heal anymore, much of the church has lost its power. It looks okay. They can talk about dispensations, you know, when it's clear from the scriptures that God did much healing through and miracles through the period of Moses, the crossing of the Red Sea, the escape, and so on. It's clear that there was another period through the prophets Elijah and Elisha when much happened. It's clear that in Jesus and the disciples much happened, but they say, no more, not today. There's no healing. When you believe that doctrine, which I call a heresy, you stop believing in the name of Jesus that has power to heal. So sometimes our theology, sometimes our doctrine can impact the way our expectations and the way we think. But the other point I want to make is that of experience. Sometimes our experience can push us away from an expectation that God will heal. I want to talk to you about two experiences, quite contrasting. Uh, one was a number of years ago. There was a woman who had been a missionary with Wycliffe who ended up, was part of our congregation, ended up with extraordinary back problems. Uh, could not move. Uh, she was lying in the sunroom on a very thin mattress. They had water beds in those days. Does anyone have a water bed these days? <laughs> no. She couldn't get into bed. You know, it killed her back, the movement. And the best thing was just to lie on the flat concrete of the sunroom on this thin mattress. She was in excruciating pain. Could not move. Uh, been to the doctors and was like that for days. And uh, 
I sense that the God, that God said something to me. And so I went to her home and I said to her, Jenny, I believe that God wants to heal you and he wants you to come work for me. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And I did what it says in this passage. I took her by the hand and she got up from her bed and she was fine. And she remained fine. And she became my PA. Best PA I have ever had. You know, we call them PAs then. Today you call them executive assistants. Luke knows I need people like that. He is so well organized. Uh, I love Luke. You know, I, I'd love to work with Luke. He kind of structures things. He knows things. I'm a little bit all over the place, like this sermon. You know, so I need people like Jenny to kind of organize me and make me look good. I've often said, I'll have a good PA before I have an associate pastor any, any day because it just enhances my gifts. And Jenny was that kind of a person. And God raised her the same way that he did this man. That was my experience. Park it there. Come back to another part of my experience. I stand before you as someone who has had congregations pray for me fervently. They've had all-night prayer meetings where they've stayed up and prayed for me. I've had people with gifts of healing lay hands on me, uh, pray over me, speak in tongues, give prophetic words, etc., asking for God to heal me. But seven times I've been under the surgeon's scalpel, and not once have I been able to be healed without surgery. That's the other side of the story. That's the other part of my experience. So here is someone who believes in the name of Jesus, who believes in the power of the Holy Spirit, who believes that God can heal, and yet again and again, I haven't been healed through prayer. But I remember, it doesn't take away from the word. What do we stand on, our word or our experience? What, what, do, we, what do we proclaim, the scriptures as truth or our experience as truth? And I can remember sitting on a chair with my leg up because my kneecap had been removed, preaching about healing. I can remember having blood flowing out of my ear because of a brain tumor and, and coming through preaching about healing. But I wasn't healed. I can remember having my voice lost completely. But I had to go through surgery and I wasn't healed by prayer. What determines our direction? Is it our theology? And if I go back to that point, you know, I, I struggle with the word systematic theology. Whenever we have a system, whether it's a system that's based on Calvin's Institutes or any great person, whenever we systematize something, it's as if we put God in a box and we say, God, this is the way in which you work. We have to give God space to be God, you know, to be all that he can be. But the other side is if we park by our experience and not by God's word, then we will back off. And part of the challenge for me as someone who, as I said, has had to go under the surgeon's knife several times, has been to continue, when I come across passages like this, to preach God's word and not just my experience of it. Because that's what it's about. He is the author of life. It is the Holy Spirit who is at work. God can use everyone. There is no other name. There is power. 
And we do need boldness. And it really is all about Jesus. Pop all those words together, you know, and you can say, we have to continue to be a people who live out the truth of God's word rather than to say, that was for them. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If I can go back to and tell a little bit more story about losing my voice and to talk about how God can work even when it looks like there is no healing. That was a particular point when uh, uh, I have a condition which causes tumors to come up in me. And uh, after one such operation, I was going in for a second operation just near my voice box. And I remember saying to the surgeon uh, just before I went under, I'm a preacher, you know, whatever you do, leave my voice box alone. And I came out of surgery and he said, I'm sorry, David, but uh, it looks like it was cancer and it was more extensive than we thought. And uh, we've had to cut into your voice box. And um, we had just finished at the most wonderful church ever next to follow. (laughs) 13 years in that church plant, you know. We were moving to Queensland to plant a church in Queensland. We knew no one there. Uh, We were going in obedience to the call of God. He did some profound things in our lives. We knew that his Holy Spirit was calling us to plant a church there. And we were going in obedience to that. Uh, Our furniture had been packed up. The truck was on the way to Queensland when the the doctor said, uh, you have no voice. And what's more, the cancer has metastasized. It's gone into your lymph nodes. Uh, It's going to spread. The prognosis was five years or less of life expectancy. It's devastating, absolutely devastating. People had prayed for us faithfully. And here I was with a call to plant a new church. No congregation, no core group, no one. We knew one other family. And we said to them, we'd rather have you as friends than as part of our church because they were very different from us. And so we told them not to come join our, our new church plant. You know? And uh, what I want to say to you is that God used that in the most extraordinary way. To be f- truthful with you, by that stage of my life, I'd become a little bit proud. I'd been a pastor for a while grown a large church, I'd done church plants I thought I can do this when everything was taken away we saw God at work in the most extraordinary ways people who heard that we'd come up to plant a church cancer, no voice came because they thought if he believes that God's in this, we will believe it too and we got the most extraordinary group of people around us and we had the most extraordinary church growth and church plant at my weakest point, and I saw that it's all about Jesus. It's all about the name of Jesus. It's not about me, about my gifts, about my abilities. At my weakest point, God showed himself to be strongest. So when I say to you there was no healing, there was no healing in terms of that prayer, but God was glorified in the most extraordinary way, just as he was in Acts 3 and 4. And people spoke about it in the name of Jesus was glorified. There was no other name. He did the most extraordinary thing. So, do not park by bad theology. Do not park by your experiences. Continue to live out the truth of God's word and see what he does. 
And God will act in unexpected ways. For the man who was begging by the gate, beautiful, it was the most unexpected thing that someone would take him by the hand and raise him up. And it was most unexpected that when I was voiceless, when I had cancer which had metastasized, it was then that God did his most powerful work. Trust him in the midst of our lives because he is the author of life. And it really is all about Jesus. You know, one of the fascinating things is that if we can't stop by our theology or by our experience, we can trust the sovereignty of God and that he is able to cause all things to work together for good. All of your circumstances, all of your situations, God is able to take and to shape because ultimately it's all about him. You know, this is the message of this chapter. There is no centering around the man who was restored from lameness. There is no centering around Peter and John. Again and again they say, it's Jesus, it's in his name, it's in his name. It's about him, it's about him, it's about him. I want to say to you as a, as a new young church, when you center around Jesus, when you follow, 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 crazy name, but the best name, you know, best name, it really is about following Jesus and about walking in his ways and in his truth. And it's then that you will see the most extraordinary things happen as God does for the glory of his name. There is no other name. There is no other name. I want to uh, probably conclude with three invitations. Invitations for you to respond. Um, I want to finish with the dam, which as Luke says, uh, there's a flow of water, there's a stream that goes, and it becomes blocked. And when it becomes blocked, it can be, a dam can be a good thing, you know, because you can release from that dam. But it can also become a bad thing if it just becomes blocked. And I put that up because when I was praying about this passage and asking God what he wanted me to speak to them about, I sensed that the Holy Spirit said to me, David, tell the people not to camp by the billabong. And I thought, God, what does this mean? You know, that's why I think billabong is a better word than dam because that's a Holy Spirit word. <laughs> so tell the people not to camp by the billabong. And I thought, God, what does this mean? And I sensed that it's centered around this word from Acts chapter 3 that you picked up on over there. This is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets saying that his Christ, his Messiah, his chosen one, would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be washed away, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ, whom he has appointed for you, even Jesus. 
Don't camp by the billabong so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And God gave me this picture of, of the stream, of this river that's flowing, this place of refreshment. And when, there is a, when there's a river that flows by, sometimes something happens to its, uh, to its path and that river can get diverted. And when, when it gets diverted, a part of the river is left behind and it becomes a billabong. And you can still be by that river bank where you've been before, but the actual river's been diverted. And if you sit by that billabong, you'll still see water, you'll see different kinds of life, but it will become stagnant water. It will in time become putrid water. You've got to step into the river of God that times of refreshing may come. You cannot stay by a billabong, by an old spot where you've always been, without moving into the new things that God has for you. Through Jesus, times of refreshing will come. And my sense was that God was saying, there are two big things out of this passage. Firstly, there is no other name. That is the big gate. Secondly, times of refreshing come from the stream of the Spirit, not from the billabong. So my invitation to you is in three parts. Firstly, it's if, if you are here, and you will be in the minority if you are here, people don't gather on a Sunday morning just because they think it's a good thing to do first up on Sunday, but it may be that you are here and you have never placed your faith in the name of Jesus to forgive you and to give you his gift of life. He is the author of life. He is the author of life eternal. He is the one who, when you repent, when you turn from your ways and you turn to him and you say, Jesus, I want to place my trust in you and follow you, everything changes. Your destiny changes. Your life changes. The most important decision you can make today is to say, yes, I believe that there is no other name. Today I'm going to trust the name of Jesus for my life, for my future, and for my salvation. The first challenge that I want to say to you is if you are here today, and if you have never done that, then trust Jesus and he will take you on the most extraordinary journey of life beyond your understandings. I'm actually going to ask you to do something really scary in a little while. I'm going to say that if that's you, and if the Holy Spirit, if God is prompting you and saying, I need to do that, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand, okay? So that's a scary thing to do. Nothing more than that, because I want to pray for you. I want to pray and I want to ask Jesus to do that for you now and to change your life and to give you the gift of eternal life. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I think about no other name and about stepping into the stream. It's to say to you that if you are a follower of Jesus who feels as if you've become stagnant, as if you've been camped by a billabong, and you need times of refreshing to come, I'm going to invite you to stand that we may pray for you.
and who ask Jesus, the author of life, for their time of refreshing to flow into you. I did say three, didn't I? I have no idea what the third is. No idea. We're going to do those two, and if a third comes to mind, we'll do it, all right? No idea. Okay. Because you're likely to be a minority, I'm not going to get you to stand, but, you know, if, uh, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus to heal you, to strengthen you, to raise you up, to give you life, if you choose to say, I don't want to walk my way, I want to walk your way, that your times of refreshing may come into my life, I'm simply going to ask you to raise your hand now. Right now, if the Spirit is prompting you, do that. Secondly, for all the people. If there is a sense that this new journey is part of God taking you away from a stagnant billabong by a dam into the new things that he has for you and you want to step into the fresh things of Jesus, you want to step out of the oldness of your experience, the places where you've camped in the past and you are willing and open for Jesus to take you into new spaces and new things, I want to invite you to stand now. And I know what the third thing is. I think I know. It's about boldness. You know, one of the things that happens when people were filled with the Spirit was that they spoke the words of Jesus, the name of Jesus, with boldness. And it's interesting that here were people who'd been through the day of Pentecost. It had the Spirit come upon them and they spoke in tongues. And yet, a couple of chapters later, They're filled with the Spirit again. One of the things about the wonderful God who loves us and who cares about us and who's given us His Spirit is that He continues to fill us with His Spirit. And we can continue to be filled with the Spirit as an ongoing thing. So if you want a fresh boldness in speaking about the things of Jesus, you're probably among those who are standing already, but if you're not standing, if you want a fresh boldness to be filled with the Spirit in order that you may speak the name of Jesus with boldness, I want to invite you to stand where you are, and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And because we are a congregational people who believe that the Spirit isn't the gift of one special person at the front but is among them, I want to pray for you and then I want to invite you to pray for each other. Okay? Just pray for each other. To ask that God may do these things and to trust that the God of the Bible is the God who is with us today, that he is alive and in our midst. And he is wanting to do things in his own way. Sometimes we may not understand it, but it's in his own way. So Lord Jesus... There is no other name but your name. We lift you high. 
We proclaim your name above every other name for you are the creator who is also the author of life, who is the giver of eternal life. And by the power and in the authority of your name, I ask that you would refresh your people, that you would fill them afresh with your spirit, that you would move in them because you love them to empower them for witness with boldness. Lord Jesus, as Peter and John said, they don't have silver and gold, but what they do have in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. So we just say it's not about any gifts or abilities that we have that's our personal possession, but it's about Jesus in his name. Be strengthened, be released, be refreshed. Be free to be all that God wants you to be for the glory of his name. Brothers and sisters, uh, we'll, the musicians will give you just two or three minutes to just turn and pray for one another. To ask people, you might want to do it loudly, you might want to do it quietly, uh, but pray for each other because we are together, the people of God. Amen.